Hi, this is Ruth Freeman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast. Now, I know that weekly means every week, and I apologize that I had to miss the last two weeks, but I'm afraid that my family and I had COVID, and it was difficult to talk and function. But thank God everyone is healthy now, and I am thrilled to be back here with you. So this week we read Parsha Pechukotai, which is the last Parsha in Sefer Vayikra. And Parsha Pechukotai contains, amongst other things, one of two instances in the Torah of what we call the Tochacha, what we call the rebuke. And if these are sections of the Torah in which God enumerates the ways that, if we go, when we get to the land of Israel, if we follow God's commandments the way that God will reward us, and more significantly and more lengthily, um, what will what God will do to us if we don't follow in God's commandments? And certainly it is not terribly concise in that God lists for us many, many, many ways that we can sin and many, many, many ways that God can punish us for that. Um, ranging from losing our crops and, and having the land go infertile to horrible things, God forbid, happening to our children, etc. So there really is, um, it's a very intense part, portion of the Torah, and one that has created a lot of, I think, theotic issues over time, meaning struggles with the question of, how does God really, when God, when bad things happen, is it a direct outcome of a punishment from God or are there other ways to understand it? Now, what I wanted to focus on this year, and I've observed that while I initially picked up on this on my own, I've observed that many other rabbis this year are actually going a similar direction for reasons we'll discuss, um, is that throughout these curses, this tochacha, there's something strange that happens. And the strange thing that happens is the appearance of a word that appears nowhere else in the Torah. And yet in our Parsha, it appears seven times. And that word is keri. Now, the word carry appears in the context of the Parsha with walking by carry. What I mean by that is God starts, this is chapter 26, um, verse 21, that God says, if you will walk with me, be carry, here's all like the, the bad things that are going to happen. And, and then even if I've yelled at you and you haven't still reformed your ways, you're going to walk and you continue to walk with me, Bikari, then I will walk with you, Bikari, says God. And then if you don't walk with me, Bikari, then I will walk with you, Bikari, etc. So it seems like there's this, this sort of cyclical nature to this carry. Um, and that it's something that God is capable of acting with, and also that people are capable of acting with. But other than that, we don't know. So that's sort of the context that helps us at least get a sense of what carry the context in which it appears. However, we don't know exactly what it means. It's this mysterious word. And of course, one of the ways that we often try to assess the meaning of words that are unfamiliar is through looking at them in other contexts in the text. However, it simply doesn't exist anywhere else. So the question is, what does carry mean? Now, as we just said, it, it's got to be something very, very negative because it occurs in the context of these curses, right? That there's a way to walk with God, Bekeri, in a negative way. And if we do that enough, then God will walk with us, Bekeri, and worse things will happen. So that's what we know. And so with that background, I wanted to consider what a few different rabbis say the meaning of carry is, just to get a sense of what we think 
really could be this horrible, grievous thing that the people are doing. Now, Rashi provides two explanations. The first, he uses the word arai. Arai means temporary, as opposed to fixed, as opposed to established. And through the expansion on that idea, it becomes clear that what's intended is that arai really, it, it conveys a lack of caring. Um, it's a lack of commitment to something. It's something you do that's occasional when it's convenient. So translated into the context of the Torah, of this Parsha, what, it, what God would be saying is, if you're going to walk with me, just when it's occasional, when it's convenient, when it, it's the opposite of you actually making a commitment, then I, says God, that's how I'm going to treat my relationship with you. I'll be there sometimes, but I'm not going to be there all the time. I'm not going to have this commitment to you, to see you succeed, to, to be part of you, etc., and so that, according to Rashi, the, Rashi's first explanation, is what this means by this cycle. Whatever cycle of carry is happening, that's what it is. Now, the second explanation that Rashi provides is that carry actually means hardened. Something that, like, you do out of anger, right? So that if we walk with God with spite, with anger, um, with rejection, with all of those things then that is how God is going to treat us, right? That's much different than saying something that's occasional or it's convenient. Hardening is really something in which, or anger, um, is in which something that, that you express is just a very strong expression of a negative feeling. Now, the Ibn Ezra quotes one opinion that says that it means strength, that if you're going to act all haughty and you're all strong, you don't need anyone else, you think, you know, you're invincible, then, says the Ibn Ezra, according to the first opinion, or what that would mean in the Torah, is that God is then going to act like that with you, right? Sort of a rejection of, I don't need you, um, and you don't need me, I'm fine on my own, and, and sort of, and that's where the, the element of rejection comes in, right? I'm too proud, and I don't need you. Um... Ibn Ezra then quotes another opinion, and he's not the only one who thinks this, um, and it comes, it's based on uh, the story with the Plishtim, and he connects the word carry, kuf resh yud, to the word mikre, happenstance, um, circumstantial, just something that happens to happen but doesn't actually have any pattern to it or any sense of um, uh, the fact ordained and that something was ordained, right? It's just something that happens in the world. And so in this context, what that would mean is that if people look around, if the way that we act with God is we just see the things that happen to us as random things that happen, random things that are going on in the world, then that's how God's going to treat us also, right? God is just kind of going to let the world play out the way it should without a sense of destiny without a sense of divine gift and divine purpose or any of these things right it's different than the temporary nature that rashi described because rashi describes just like i'm there when i'm there and i'm not there when i'm not there this is a simple failure to see god in anything it's a failure to see order um the malbim actually ex expanded on this and I, I actually preferred the way the malbim describes it because he says if it, it would what, what carry he says means is you look at the world and all the things that happen you say ah eh, this is just the simple nature of the world this is how the world works right i'm getting punished i'm getting rewarded that doesn't mean anything 
It's just whatever. There's no meaning behind it, right? It's just how things go. Um, and the Orachayim, I think, also um, is similar in that he says that lots of bad things have happened to the Jewish people that are clearly from God. And what is what does it mean to walk with God but carry? It means to have these things happen and fail to do tshuva, right? You, bad things are happening to you because you are sinning and you look around and you say, ah, it's, you know, it's just to walk with Carrie means to say whatever, you just accept what it is um, and you don't feel the need to change your behavior, to engage in a process of self-reflection or anything like that. So the question is, okay, um, this is a very interesting study of different opinions, but which, how do we make sense of these, right? How do we synthesize each of these into what God is clearly portraying as the, not just the precursor, the precursor, this, the middle part, it's the end part, it's the entire, Carrie is involved in the entire process of the deterioration of our relationship with God, and therefore, subsequently, the deterioration of ourselves as a people. And that's where I think it's really interesting to consider opinion, the difference, the great difference in opinions, even just going back to Rashi as an example of Arai versus Harden or anger. Um, Harden or anger, it takes energy to be angry, right? You have to, one is only angry about something if they care about it. If you don't care about something, then you're not even going to waste your energy, even if it's negative energy, you're just not going to waste it on that. You're going to be apathetic. You're not going to care. So to walk with God at Bikari, if it means anger, I think, or spite or rejection or anything, there's at least an element of a, of a commitment to that relationship in a sense. It's indicative that there is potential for something in the future going on there. Because if you feel strongly enough, then you haven't given up yet. Arai, on the other hand, Arai, if as we say it's lack of caring, it's occasional, it's just sort of you're in, you're out, but it, it, it's not commitment. Well, that's in some ways kind of the opposite. It meaning if you're there sometimes, but like you don't feel that any sense of obligation, right? There's no, if you don't feel any sense of obligation, then there's no real emotion behind it. It doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't get penetrate the, the deeper layers of who you are. It's just something that's very superficial to you because it's something that you can take or leave and it doesn't really matter. And I think that the last sort of the last option, and again, it's hard for me to like separate all of these because they really are in many ways connected. Um, but I think the final, so I'll call it the final one of going through the world and just saying that things are happening and it's just the nature of the world and failing to see God and God's message behind it, I think shows maybe not a lack of caring about the relationship, but such a degree of self-involvement um, that you just are kind of like absorbed in your own little world um, and going through it day to day. And you don't even stop to think about a higher purpose or things going on behind it, right? You don't stop to think, maybe I should be a better person. Maybe I should ever engage in self-reflection right? The worst thing you can do is just look around, according to this opinion, and say, yeah, this is just the way of the world. You know, this is how the world goes. Um, and there's nothing I can do about anything. Nothing is in my control. And so I'm just going to live my life and go about it. Now, um, I, as I said in the beginning, that I think I've seen a lot of um, rabbis this year 
addressing this topic specifically. And I think that that, of course, is connected very strongly to the absolute horror that happened in Uvalde, Texas on Tuesday with the slaughter of 19 children and two teachers. And there's so much to say, and it's so beyond what anyone can say in one Parsha podcast. But I think certainly one of the things that to me stands out is just the way that our shock and our horror at this um, just immediately penetrates the public discourse. Meaning we all, we turn to the things that we believe and we just double down on them, right? This, that this is about guns and gun control, which I very, very firmly believe. Um, And I think that that attitude is reflective of something terrible is happening in our society and we must engage in self-reflection. We must study it. We must try to assess and try to figure out what possibly could be the cause of this. And there are so many, you know, researchers and, and funds available and papers written that clearly show that access to guns increases gun violence. And I really do feel that that is the side that is trying to say, look at what is happening in our country. Look at who we are. Let's have an honest reckoning with ourselves. And then if we're capable of doing that, we can move on and try to fix things to try to make this not happen again. And what I think is so, there are so many troubling things that are emerging from the pro-gun lobby. But one of them to me is just that it is an acceptance that this is the way of the world. That just there's always going to be someone so-called crazy um, who's just going to get a gun. And yes, maybe we can invest more in mental health, but that this isn't the time to turn to politics. This isn't the time to engage in self-reflection. This is just the time to be sad. And that that really is just a simple cover for not having to actually think and not having to actually say, maybe my policies have done a lot of damage to the United States. And maybe people are suffering horrific, unimaginable suffering because of things that we could stop if we cared enough, if we were brave enough, if we took the energy to do it. And um, so I think it's really particularly appropriate this year to see that one of the opinions of the very attitude that destroys relationships with another power, that destroys a nation, that brings about its very end, is one in which you look at terrible things that happen in the world and refuse to even consider where they might be coming from. Shabbat Shalom.